0: Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. It's another podcast from Agile Coaching Mastery.
1: Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Agile Coaching Mastery podcast, brought to you by the Agile Coaching Mastery crew. Our crew consists of Agile coaches from around the world who record the podcast for an international audience, free of time zones. You can listen when you want. We do this to help increase the skills, knowledge, and experience across the Agile coaching industry. And it's for free. Every week we'll be exploring another part of this wonderful agile coaching landscape. Each episode is recorded live and unscripted on Mondays. Let's join the crew for this week's episode.:
0: All right, thank you very much, Mr. Mann. Um, I think I'm going to maybe get that re-recorded to not say Mondays, because I think I had it Fridays and Mondays, and maybe we're going to move it again, so um. anyway, welcome along. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Make sure you record
2: it to say in a surprisingly different day of the week,
0: okay. <laughs> 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 at a time randomly chosen. <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, what's happened to me since we last recorded? Uh, not much, really. Oh, we had uh, in England. Uh, who's in England? Me. We had a Jubilee Bank Holiday weekend, so we had four days off in total, which is quite cool. Uh, spent most of those sort of edging a bit and playing games with my kids, so I'm very happy chilled is a good word however one of my clients decided to really, you know, make sure we all got back into the groove correctly so put an 8am this morning power meeting in for all the (laughs) leaders I'm
2: in the same time zone as you, so I'm in Portugal Yeah, I'm doing lunchtime visits to the beach, because the beach is just uh, 10 minutes drive from here
0: you know I hate you beach i oh, hate you
2: i want good memories this is the country where we met for the only time
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> we did we did i was in uh, you were, uh, yeah we just turned up in uh, at the same time and managed to grab a coffee in a very cool trendy coffee restaurant you know um yeah,
2: the waiters didn't speak portuguese
0: that's right yes that's right and ricardo fitted into this cool trendy place, but I I didn't. I didn't fit in much. But he looked like he could live there. That was uh, good. Okay, so uh, today's topic is uh, delivery. Remember, we do the cadet model. We did um, on the podcast sequence, you'll find last week was discovery and diagnosis. That was a good one. That was a really good one. This week, we're talking about delivery. Remember, the basic um, output we're putting here is we've got a model called cadet, which has got 10 categories for what... Coaching really is in reality these days, and uh, I use the cadet model as systems entry when I'm starting somewhere to say to the leaders, what is it you really want out of me? And we've got to delivery now, and in fact, I think delivery is one of the key things people want us to do, really, if I'm honest, perhaps even more than some of the other things like coaching and advocacy. Usually, there's a, once we've done discovery and diagnosis, we feel there's a problem to solve, they usually want us to solve the problem. In fact, a lot, a lot of the work I did for a big uh, pet chem, I spent a year working for a pet chem on a particular. I, I was there for quite a few years, but for one of the years, the whole uh, the whole work output came from what was essentially coaching conversation with um, one of the SVPs, where I said, "What's on your mind?" You know, and he said, "Oh, this is," and we talked it through. And uh, he said, "Would you mind getting involved in the delivery of that?" So, so delivery can be a big thing to open up. Graham, good evening, welcome. Nice to have you with us.
4: Thanks, Dean. Yeah, good to be here. Yeah, after a few
0: weeks. A few weeks, yeah. yeah. A few weeks of a, a few apologies. Weeks. You know, the trick is not to be on site on a Monday. That's the key, isn't it? If, you, if you're on there, we're on the same site. So if we're on site, that is not the time we did the podcast, it's not a good time because lots of the leaders suddenly turn up and start to ask questions about it. Anyway, we're doing delivery. Let me tell you what I talked about here. Now, you could argue that a coach, coaches could argue we're not here to do delivery, Ian. We're here to advise. We're here to. If I could be negative about it, pontificate and give the fruits of our wisdom and, you know, the great masses will listen to us and go, oh, wise person. Yes, of course, we'll change. But in reality, I think sometimes you do have to do delivery. And when I put this notes down, it was taking a hands on delivery approach to getting things done, a hands on approach. It came originally from a conversation I had with someone about the best generals are the ones that are prepared to get in the trenches and do the work as well. And then I wrote becoming a deliverer and a connector slash protector. Now that connector protector phrase is a, uh, it comes again from a uh, original McKinsey article that appeared in HBR about what senior delivery managers need to be in the future. They need to connect people together and they need to also protect the, um, the area of the work so it doesn't have scope creep, etc. cetera. Um, and then I said, it's sometimes your early gain i.e. you arrive at a site and what they really need is sometimes I've I've experienced my arrival being hello I'm Ian and I'm a coach and the person says last thing I need is a coach thank you very much being imposed upon me against my wishes what am I going to get out of you but if you go I, I could do some delivery for you they go oh you won't believe how many things are not working what about this could you work on that please so and then I finished by saying um, solve a clear problem demonstrates your authority because again I think one of the one of the most significant things I believe about senior leaders is you've got to have been there and done that and have the authority and the scars that they understand are there as well for you. So uh, for senior leaders, certainly, I'm not a proponent of if I can coach a football team, I can coach an, a senior vice president in a telco because I think the only people who can coach senior vice presidents of telcos are people who've been there and done that a little bit. Uh, Maybe not quite as bad as I've just articulated it, but something like that is true. You certainly can't take someone who knows how to coach a football team and get them to coach, for example, um, um, uh, um, a a cook in a restaurant, for example. I think there's sort of expertise needed. So that's my thinking in theory. Um, What do you guys think? What's interesting about this idea? What's your stories?
2: I actually use that a lot. Uh, I think of it as eating our own dog food. So there are two ways that you could approach delivery. You could take something on that needs to be delivered uh, to build uh, your own credibility, and that's okay. But what I found the most useful was after you have helped them design this beautiful scaled agile framework, what I've done is to take on the gnarliest, toughest, most high visibility initiative that they have and uh, be the delivery lead, whatever form that is in that kind of uh, agile framework that we built. And I found it really valuable because by eating our own dog food, we get to see where did all that thought, where does it work, where doesn't it work. Uh, I found it, on one hand, you get the credibility gain, but on the other, you get to experience uh, the delivery process from the inside. And that's totally
0: that's invaluable. Oh, well, I, I agree with you completely. In fact, um, w- one of my first gigs ever as a as a I uh, was a delivery lead for bringing Agile to a company, and uh, Jeff Sutherland uh, and I were talking through. Um, sorry to name drop, but there you go. Uh, talking through how one might do it because uh, you know we were paying for a lot of his time at the time, and he said, um, "Don't bring coaches on who can't deliver in your." in your teams. So every coach that came had to do a delivery job as well. Uh, In this case, they had to do the scrum master role within a team that was delivering uh, specifically. And the benefit of that was enormous because every time any of the coaches did anything in the training or teaching categorization, it was no longer theoretical. It was very practical. It was exactly what the problem was here. And I've experienced recently um, creating or helping create a community of practice uh, for something where um everyone had been on, excuse me everyone had been on fairly standard training you know one of the certifications not a bad one at all but it was very generic almost it was two days of this makes you a, a certain kind of role and the all the questions that everyone who'd been on the course had about how it fits into their organization the people who trained them couldn't answer because they weren't in the organization so they couldn't, they couldn't actually answer any of the practical questions. So when we first started this community of practice, and I just signalled a few things that were, you know, some of the extras they ought to have heard for the context we're in, they all jumped on it and went, oh, we need more on that. Can, can we have a session on that, please? So, I like the idea, Ricardo, you pick the gnarliest. I love that word, by the way. Thank you for the word of the day. Gnarliest delivery lead <laughs> uh, role and, and pick it. Because in a sense, we do need to eat our own dog food or... I believe the sort of yeah. other phrase is "drink your own champagne" and, and prove that, that you do this. You know, and I've I've encountered recently a, a couple of coaches who say I don't think Scrum works, which always strikes me as a strange thing <laughs> for a coach to say. If I'm honest with you. Anyway, I've had enough. I've, I've talked too much. What do you got? What else? What else would you say on these matters, Jason or Graham or Ricardo?
5: For me, delivery is key, and I think. I'm with Jeff Sutherland that if you have the application, you can talk and it's tangible to others that you're coaching. Um, and I think I'm with Ricardo, if you can pick the gnarliest and keep using that, that word of the day, um, it is key uh, to A, gain your own credibility within the organization. Um, capital, political capital's been spent to have you there so, they also want to know that you can deliver. And then I think, you know, if anybody's seen the new Top Gun movie, you know, that really shows that you know, to build the confidence of the team, show them how to do it, show them how to do it. And then you see that, and I, like it was just like a great case study of what I live and breathe every day in, in our enterprise.
0: Well, yes, that's brilliant. Yes, of course, if you've not seen the uh, movie, there's a point at which the ace pilot is training the new generation to do a particularly difficult mission. No one believes it's possible to do the mission parameters correctly. Um, Someone isn't happy with him and sacks him, and so, you know, being a maverick, he then takes a plane and does the mission parameters perfectly to prove it can be done. And then, you know... And then everyone goes, okay, it's doable. As you say, you've proven it by doing... He definitely ate his own dog food there, didn't he, um, yeah. in that story?
2: And it also helps you debug. You know, when you're uh, helping people design the delivery process on paper and on the whiteboard, everything looks beautiful. But when you're really on the trenches, you suddenly find out, maybe you need to simplify this little bit here. Oh, that bit doesn't work, the teams don't show up, or that bit <laughs> So nothing like experience. It's like if you want to really understand the code, by is run it in a debugger, and watch it, watch it run. So it's it gives you a much deeper, on the ground understanding of the of the delivery process.
4: It, there's a little bit of positivity to this as well. Ian touched on it. You touched on it before, Ian, when you said you're kind of struck by a couple of people saying that a couple of coaches saying, oh, scrum's not working or scrum doesn't work. You do have to have an open mind, right? Um, You need to be open to the fact that you've got to understand why things aren't working yourself. Therefore, it's good to actually take part in the delivery to understand that, right? Um, you You walk in a mile in another man's shoes, right, to understand the problems that they're undertaking and why they're undertaking those problems in the context of what you just used there as um, maverick taking on that mission there and um, he understand the parameters and the, and the problems in the mission. If they didn't do in a certain time and he was the only one that could fly in that time, then they probably weren't going to get out of there alive. And it, it's a similar situation with, with delivery. You need to understand the problems. If people are coming with negativity, then you've got to understand why that is. And actually walk a mile in another man's shoes to try and try and find out why that is. Right.
0: Spot on, Graham. Spot on. Uh, yeah, I mean, literally, usually. Um, I'm speaking generally. I want to say that again, in case anyone who's currently working where I'm working, you know, is sort of thinking, I mean, where I am now, never mean where I am now. You know, sometimes what you get with um, let's 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 assume it's a Scrum Master role, and you know, you see a CV and they've got, you know, ten years ago they did their certification, and you you interview them, you talk to them about the role, and you ask them what they know and you get a very book answer you get you know you literally that you it sounds like they may actually have the scrum guide open on their desk and and are talking the replies to you and what i've sometimes realized is um they don't have 10 years experience they had 1 year's experience 10 years ago and they haven't really got more experience since then and they haven't learned anything and they haven't discovered anything and so Usually, um, I'm giving away a trade secret of interviewing now, by the way. Usually, I always flip the question to tell me a, tell me a, of a situation where it didn't work for you and what you did to put it right or even failed to put it right. Tell me one where you've got some kind of scar in your back. And actually, that, that started, again, with the conversation with Jeff Sutherland once when we, we'd been three months into the transformation we were doing and I was struggling that some of the people we were getting weren't really... Uh, yeah, I would see it now more as a they were happy to quote the books, but weren't happy to get mucky themselves. You know, wouldn't take on the gnarliest. And I talked to Jeff about it. He said, "Well, some people just have book knowledge; they don't have scars. What you have got to do is change your questions to find people who've got the scars from learning how to adjust it, how to fine tune it." And this is what he said, which really struck me. He said, "What we described here is a framework. It's like a like a skeleton." people put the flesh on the skeleton through experience and if they haven't got the experience of delivery using the frameworks then you know they're, they're just not as advantageous who've as people who have been there and done that so usually when i'm most impressed with someone i'm interviewing is when they go oh yeah well i had this problem and this is what i did to solve it and i'm not sure it really worked but i tried you know or i had this problem and did my best with it so
2: and organizations have a way of making the framework fail in new and original ways, is <laughs> to be on the ground. You see, oh, so that's why the requirements are coming in wrong and the stakeholders take two weeks to reply to anything. It's nothing wrong with the framework. It's just people are working on requirements and they are not getting verifications. They're
5: not on well, the that's what,
4: and, and And that's what shuts me about when, Ian, when you said Scrum doesn't work. Well, what Scrum does, what does it do? shows you all the issues right it shows you it's honest it shows you those things things don't work it's going to show you those things that don't work you see this all the time
0: well yeah as as uh i'm not sure this is a politically correct quote but it is quoted to ken schweber one of the authors of the scrum guide where he says scrum is like your mother-in-law it exposes every weakness ruthlessly i'm, you I'm took not the words sure. out of my mouth i was just going to say exactly that
5: yeah um, yeah and i quoted it all the time and i'm in a very californian organization let's just put it that way um so political correctness is it's very sensitive but i and we're reshaping our agile capabilities team our internal um team and one of the things that I'm putting in is that each agile coach has to do a level of delivery. Brilliant. So really really taking that because I think it it, it does sh- expose all of those problems like your mother-in-law. It, it gives you credibility and it also builds application as opposed to that book knowledge. And, you know, there's a few that we've interviewed and they're very, oh, I don't want to do that. I just want to want to teach and it's like well no that's not what we want and i the ones that we have my colleagues that are the most successful are doing they're they're doing both a level of in the field delivery and a level of coaching the danger is that they get sucked in and you become a pmo and that's that's the hard line to walk that's probably my only other tip but i do believe that there is maximum benefit if you can build that credibility through that delivery
0: well how I see that Jace, by the way is uh, if you're capable of delivery but you're not capable so the, a piece of advice I once got when I was quite a younger man was create a groove for yourself in a company of competence and ve- being very good at something but don't make the groove so deep you can't jump out of it That was the advice I got originally. And I feel that that's the case here, which is I want to see that people can do delivery. I want to see delivery coming out. But as you said, I want them to be capable of avoiding getting stuck in it forever. You know, they've got to be able to move it on. There's a, there's a situation, um, that I'm around at the moment where my advice to someone was the sign of seniority here is that you can get out of your past commitments and close things down. Well, you know, um, So I think that's absolutely true, Jase. It's absolutely true that uh, you've you've got to be able to um, show you can deliver but then not become consumed into just being a PMO. Because if you do, honestly, the the company, as you said earlier, the the company usually invests capital in you, political capital and, honestly, commercial capital. And uh, if you do a fantastic delivery job and just that, they'll look at you and go, yes, but we can pay someone 30% less than you to do that job why aren't you doing the job we want you to do um so I think delivery is one of these areas where you've got to do it to a bit to prove yourself to create your own capital as it were but if you just keep doing that then you know you're, you're you're missing probably the point of transformation in a sense just like the maverick film in the end he demonstrated it could be done but then he actually did the delivery as well didn't he in the film as you quite rightly pointed out
2: so are you saying that we need to balance all the five letters of
0: the cadet model? I think that's true. I I, I must confess, that the more I look at it, the more I think, I think generally we've got this right. There are the right areas, but I think some of them come earlier in the trajectory. Like, I think discovering diagnosis comes early. And I suspect there's a bunch that you've got to be able to balance well. Um, uh, moving on. And delivery definitely is one of those where if you if you don't balance it's probably an early one again it's probably early-ish in the engagement to get some delivery under your belt to show you can do it um but it, again there's a point of balance isn't there? as you said which is you know most coaches don't want to do delivery to some degree it's almost seemed like oh i used to do that i don't do it anymore i mean what advice would we give to a coach who says you know don't do powerpoint happy to just do some training courses nothing else I write books. People read my books. What's the problem? I don't need to go into detail here. What, what advice would you give? Uh, first of all, would, would we employ someone like that? And secondly, what advice would we give them to encourage them to see the world slightly differently?
2: Yes. Look, if you have a team of 10 coaches, there could be space uh, for a bookworm kind of coach, a really theoretical guide that helps you Get your all your theoretical ducks in a row, but if you have if you are only three of you, maybe not. Maybe you need more more well balanced stuff.
0: People. Mm, that's a really good point, Ricardo. Because if I think about football teams, it's one of my analogies, is always football teams. There's the space for a specialist, provided you've got most of the other areas covered as well. First, isn't there?
2: of my best coaching teams ever had one guy that, the one thing he was great at was all the theory and coming up with models and variation on models, but he really sucked at working with the teams and with the stakeholders. But he was so brilliant at that, that I protected him because of the value he was bringing in terms of process, in terms of uh, getting helping, uh, helping all the, he, he kind of became a, a backbone for the other coaches.
4: Other than that with it. I think that's the key thing, isn't it? You you would put up with that if there's value there. If there's no value there, if it serves a purpose right now, and there's value there, you would probably put up with that. And actually, because there's value coming in from that, but the minute that value stops, that's that's the key. You've got to have that open, nice chat and say, "Well, okay, that's great because I can I can leverage your value on this." But actually. It's probably not what I'm really looking for because right now, I need people to be functioning as part of the team. You know, um, and the rest of the team are going to be doing this, and so there's there's that. It's having that conversation. You've got to, I think, some ways you've got to um, use your football an- analogy there. Ian, you've got to work out, for instance, if you want your all star striker or do you want everyone to work and pull pull the same way, right? I think you've got to work out that and um it doesn't necessarily it's all about the value and understanding what the value is in in you being able to take that chance or not take that chance per se but whatever it is it has to be a frank and open honest conversation with the person doesn't it
0: very wise very wise graham very wise stuff um now i know graham quite well and i know that every third word in in graham's vocabulary is what's the value and he's brought that out again here brilliantly which is that's the problem of these kind of Uh, coaches if you're not careful but let's let's focus again on the delivery thing are we all comfortable that delivery is important to coaches we i think we all are uh, and we all have to get it done jace
5: yeah i think graham's also got a piece there where the value you have to deliver on your value as a coach as well it's not just the the project but it's the sustained or the stickiness to that remains after you leave So I think that's also a value that we have to continually deliver on as well as a coach.
0: Well, you're quite right. And we do uh, Embedder, which is, you know, provide services that stick. Stickiness uh, is one of our uh, cadet things to come, Jason, as you know. So that's great. Um, I'm just wondering if uh, we're near our time, actually, 24 minutes already. Wow, what a great conversation we've had again. Just wondering if anyone on the Clubhouse audience has any thoughts, comments or questions on what they're hearing. If you have, you just put your hand up. Uh, We see the hands come up and invite you to come on stage. In fact, Darren, Darren 56, um, as indicated, uh, he wants to come up and talk. So Darren, you should be on stage now if you take your mic off and say hello. Hello, Ian. How are you, sir?
3: I'm very well. So Ian, we have met before. I'm using a pseudonym here. So 2017 and 2019, I think it was. Um, So yeah, I think it's about delivering value. So I'm going to use I'm going to use those two words. If you look at the opening sentence of the Agile Manifesto, it says we are uncovering better ways of delivering valuable software, or delivering working software. And what does working software do? Delights at least one stakeholder. It's delivering value to them. And even even these days, even today, I'll sit on a call, and I'll facilitate a conversation. I I don't call them daily scrums. I call them daily 24-hour planning conversations. And I'll say, okay, stand on the right in the done column. That's where we get the credit. Look back, look down, swarm. Who can do what over this next 24 hours to get that into the done column or closer to it? And I'll pause. And my focus over the years has always been to deliver value to delight at least one stakeholder and even um even when you look at backlog refinement or continuous refinement you can look at the invest mnemonic and what does the v stand for value does this work item when it arrives in the done column deliver value yes or no and that can be part of the backlog refinement conversation so yeah and, and i've even done a job i've even eaten the dog food i've even played the patterns and proved it um i think it was about three years ago i uh had a role of enterprise delivery manager uh, sorry agile delivery manager and i view the word agile as as it was originally thought up as adaptive so okay it's about adaptive delivery um what am i delivering and it was the same to work and i divided the future up into these traditional two-week increments and i made sure that we delivered value every two weeks and we showed progress data-driven progress empirical evidence-based progress towards the delivery of that statement of work in three, four months' time. So, yeah, I'm going to plus one everything that's been said on this call. Delivery of value is absolutely – it's the primary measure of progress. The primary measure of progress is working software. What does working software do? Deliver value. So the primary measure of progress is valuable delivery.
0: Uh, Darren, I, I now obviously know who you are, Darren. It's great to see you and I hope uh, life is for you. Uh, your wife and daughter are doing very well. Nice to hear your voice. Uh, we also have Fee on stage. So, Fee, welcome. Uh, we're near the end of our time together and we're going to go into a, what we call the recap run in a few minutes. But, Fee, welcome on stage. Thank you for putting your hand up. I wonder if you'd like to come off mic and give us some thoughts.
6: Hi, everyone. Um, yeah, thanks for inviting me up on the stage. Um, just a, Just a couple of quick... Um, thoughts to raise is that um, I I'm, I only joined like literally about five perhaps ten minutes ago but um, I could hear you speaking about the subject of value um, and um, coaching with regards to um, agile projects whether there's um, value in having a, a coach type role um, which is kind of hands off versus um, a practitioner who's kind of hands on um, and I think from my perspective, and the projects I've worked on, um, and admittedly, I'm not, you know, an agile person. I've worked in agile environments, but I've kind of been more, you know, on the waterfall, um, lean, six sigma side of things. And I know lean is one of the um, agile methodologies frameworks. Um, I, I find that it depends on the project, it depends on the organisation, um, it depends on the makeup of the teams. There are lots of um, things that determine what the client and a project. Um, would classify as value add from a, um, you know, from a, a project leader or team members' perspective. Sometimes um, projects need someone who can take a step back um, and have more of a bird's eye strategic view of what's going on, to be able to advise, um, like the organisational leadership teams, the client. Um, and the internal project delivery teams um, around the day-to-day activities um, to be able to meet the project delivery goals. And sometimes it mean it needs someone who's prepared to roll their sleeves up and kind of get their hands dirty and muck in on, you know, some of the finer details of things that need to be done to remove roadblocks and kind of get the project in over its delivery timeline. Um, so, yeah, I think my experience is um, I would usually... Um, be prepared to put in what the project needs, basically, and kind of confirm the overall expectation with the clients um, and the project team first. But then, be prepared to be flexible depending on the need um, of what you're delivering.
0: Well, well said, Fee, and we all agree with that. By the way, uh, Ricardo, yeah, I'm make
2: Fee an honorary member of the Agile Club. She managed to <laughs> say it depends
0: on three sentences in a row.
1: <laughs>
6: Fee
0: you're an honorary member well done well done and uh, if you're interested Fee if you if you on the podcast if you look me up you'll see there's a, a model we're working through called cadet which is essentially 10 sections of what uh, are areas where you you we propose you look at uh, uh, any engagement you have and go what do they need rather than what do I want to give them. Let's start with what they need and where I can fit in and where I can help. Sophie, thank you for that. Uh, we are Sounds near our boundary, which is 30 you. minutes, so if you don't mind, I'm just going to go around. And Darren and Fee, we, since you're with us, I'm going to ask you the same question, uh, except, Fee, I appreciate you may have only just joined us and Darren as well, so you could just pass on this. But what's your big thought from the day that you've noticed that uh, really comes out to you? And I'll start with mine. Uh, it is definitely this idea that uh, one of the... One of the ty- uh, There are are cases where Scrum hasn't been tried and found wanting. It just hasn't really been tried well. And uh, I think, um, Ricardo, you said it. Companies are capable of self-defeat quite easily and you just have to help them. So the the simple model of what we have to do sometimes, it's not the the complete model, it's just the framework. So that's my thought. Um, Let's go around the room and see what others have particularly remembered or recalled.
2: For me was putting three different kinds of delivery on, the, on this D. One is the delivery of the Agile Initiative itself, which you might have to take on. And it also needs to be run. It's not something that totally runs itself. The other could be at an early stage, helping uh, by proving that the delivery can work or more to actually prove yourself in the organization. And the third one that I didn't say out loud but I was reflecting on what I did in the past is sometimes you might do big changes as part of the process of the evolution because it is, I was five years with an organization and we changed things quite a bit after reorgs, etc. And then it could be that you make a, help make a big change and then you decide to take a hands-on role again uh, to eat your own dog food and to help debug his new iteration
0: of the delivery process. You know, Ricardo, there's a whole chapter in a the book there on the 3D of delivery there. Yeah. Uh, brilliant, brilliant. Jace.
5: I think I'm very much with Ricardo that there's that continuous delivery that value and you know, the highest value as Ricardo mentioned earlier is pick that nali problem pick that now we project deliver on that and then continue to deliver on that agile transformation
0: brilliant graham
4: i've got one very simple sentence which says early gain comma potential early opportunity enablement and for me it's through doing something and doing the delivery you can get an early gain um, and an early foothold with your claim well, and you can, you can get that potential early opportunity enablement, right?
0: Brilliant, Graham. Okay, so Darren and Fee, you're with us, so please feel free to come up with just a, a sentence if you want to. But if you don't, don't worry, you don't have to. It's just our uh, end of wrap technique. Um, Darren Fee, if, if you've got a sentence, please come off mic, but if not, don't worry. Uh, I'll give you a second to do that. Oh, Darren, go ahead.
3: Eat your own dog food, learn the patterns, and it's about adaptive delivery of value.
0: Brilliant, Darren. Okay, uh, I think we're going to leave it there then. So uh, we've done another one. We've done D for delivery. Uh, Next is the E. We get to E next week at the same time. Darren Fee, thank you very much for contributing. Everyone else who's been listening, thank you very much. Sometimes people listen And they don't want to contribute, and that's perfectly okay. They're still, in a sense, getting value, and we love that, really. So uh, that's it for another week. Thank you very much.
1: That's it for this week. You've been listening to the Agile Coaching Mastery Podcast, brought to you by the Agile Coaching Mastery Crew. If you want to join the live recording or give us feedback, reach out to us on agileclub.club and look for the Agile Coaching Mastery Conversation or find us on Clubhouse. Join us next week for more fun and free thinking.